Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Having trouble getting things done at work? You're not alone. Maybe in order to unlock amazing outcomes, it's time to stop looking up and down for answers and instead start looking across. What do we mean by that? The companies with the fastest speed to market tend to be the ones that look across the organization rather than up and down the hierarchy. Stay tuned to hear how Atlassian software like Confluence, Jira, and Loom can help maximize effective teamwork in your organization. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Support for the show comes from Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync, so even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, so ambitious companies have the precision control and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. Everyone, this is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And Kara, I've decided to give up edibles. I was watching a program last <laughs> night on mute for a full hour okay. before, and I started crying because I thought I'd gone deaf. So, oh my god, how many edibles? <laughs> that's did you good. Take? That's good edibles humor. Anyway, uh, we're going to be in Miami next week. We're not going to try to sell it too much because someone got mad because we're selling. We're selling Miami. So what? Big deal. Big deal. Come to our conference, bitches. How's that? Is that subtle? Yeah, that's right. That's good. That's good. It's next week. We're very Uh, excited. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. Um, We're going to have a good time. A little, little, a little. Preet. uh, Preet's coming. uh, a little preet, a little preet on the beach, as they say. Preet. Um, all kinds of stuff. So it's going to be fun. Please buy tickets. Uh, yeah. It's going to be, it's a great program. It's really just a great program. And yeah. it's full of like new stuff and more to be added soon in NFTs and crypto and et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. People think we're not whores. We are, but we're relatively yeah. expensive whores, mm-hmm. which is a little bit more forgivable. And we're good. We're good at our job. And between your 17 kids and hair products, you got to bring in the Benjamins. Mm-hmm. You got to bring, bring that's a in. lot of hair we got to take care of. <laughs> it's true. My hair looks good, doesn't it? Anyway, today it we'll good. talk about the nice big, today. it does look good. I got a really nice haircut. I'm, I'm getting yeah, no, fit. Nice I'm, I'm doing, I'm working out a lot. You'll see. Um, nice. Today we'll talk about a big reveal at Amazon, Peloton's new mm-hmm. suitors and the late, guess what? They have suitors. I wonder who talked about that. And the latest mm-hmm. trouble at Spotify. We'll speak with author Wajahat Ali about humor, the war on terror and growing up Muslim in a post 9-11 era. But first, Meta is threatening to shut down Facebook in Europe over uh, data regulations. Zut allure. Uh, the regulations hmm. prevent the company from transferring Europeans' data to American servers. In a statement, Meta said that restrictions, quote, would material universally affect our business, financial condition, and result of operations. So what do you think? They're trying to ban Europe. Well, I'll be curious. Now. I think there's less. I think the likelihood that Russia invades Ukraine is exponentially yeah. greater than Facebook actually leaving Europe. I think if Facebook yeah. were to announce they're leaving Europe in the midst of their negative momentum around revenue growth and user growth, I think their stock would be off 10 or 20 percent. So I would say I would definitely urge all EU regulators that probably the best political messaging you could do right now is to, to basically say to um, – uh, Facebook, we call your bluff. Uh, we just don't buy that you're going to leave your, I believe, your second largest market in the world. What are your thoughts, Gary? Yeah. 
Yeah, buy some servers. I think, you know, this is good. This is an issue all throughout the world, China, wherever, this whole server issue where they're located. In this case, mm-hmm. you know, I think compared to say a China is a re, they're not going to do something with it, like something scary. So they don't have any of that to hide behind. Um, but, the, you know, this is their laws. Guess what, Facebook? Guess what? Laws in other countries. Other countries have laws, unlike this country. Uh, and they're going to have to deal with it. And I get that. It will be a material effect. In, but this is the way they want to conduct their privacy issues. Facebook has long played weird, uh, weird, has long, you know, gotten a lot of uh, rope uh, around privacy, and they haven't shown themselves to be our best guardian of privacy. And therefore, this is what happens. I guess, you know, chickens, but, they're coming but home. The, They've roosted. Think of the arrogance of this statement, mm-hmm. right? Unless an entire continent changes its laws, we're leaving. I, that yeah. might be true. But who threatens or says that? That's a, it kind Die. of implicit in that notion is we as big tech, we as innovators, you should think twice around a continent's laws or we'll leave. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Take your fucking ball and go home. Don't let the door hit your information thievery on the way out. Au revoir. Au revoir. Adios. Cheerio. Pip, pip. Yeah. We're not going to play this game. Nonetheless, uh, we'll see what happens. They can threaten all they want. But actually— um, and by the way, I think it'll just highlight the need for users' data protection everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so, right. I good. say a I like, a hard, I like them playing hard hard knocks with them. So what? That's I don't right. think everyone in Germany is crazy if they can't Go use you. Facebook. They'll use yeah. TikTok. <laughs> Whatever. In other Facebook news, after Meta's uh, dramatic uh, market value drop, which still remains, by the way, it's still down there. I mm-hmm. thought it would rebound, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. Mark Zuckerberg is encouraging employees to, quote, pivot to video again. In a company-wide meeting, he told staff that the company faces an unprecedented level of competition from TikTok. As usual, he's right this time. Zuckerberg also said Facebook might offer its employees long weekends, a sign the company's worried about employee retention. Um uh, you know, a lot of people are going to this four-day work week thing. Um, so it's interesting. It's It keeps cycling. I, I um, uh, he They keep trying to do different things, live video, TikTok shorts. Mm-hmm. They're not, they can't be creative if they're not creative. I don't know what they're going to do. So what do you think about this? The stock has remained very low. I was just looking at it a second ago. Facebook has sort of been kicked out of the cool girls table uh, at, in the mm-hmm. cafeteria. They now have less than... I don't know, 22% of the market cap of, or 24% of the market cap of Apple. They're half of what Google, less than, you know, probably a third of what Amazon is. So they've, they're no longer sort of big tech. They're sort of upper middle class big tech, if you will. And mm-hmm. a lot of it is around, um, really comes down to a couple things. One, they don't control their distribution. So Apple has proven that controlling the distribution mm-hmm can take another big tech player down 27%, which is what has happened since Apple has uh, done the kind of opt-out tracking uh, policy or implemented that policy. In addition, if you look at Amazon's earnings, which were just staggering, and the thing that really stood out to me about Amazon's earnings Mm -hmm. is Amazon Media Group, which is now bigger than YouTube (laughs) and is doing more revenue than Twitter, Snap, and Pinterest combined. And it also, it's a bit of a head fake to call it Amazon Media Group, and I'll circle back to the disarticulation of uh, Google and Amazon from Facebook as well. So Apple's mm-hmm. disarticulated because it controls the distribution, and Google and Amazon have disarticulated and announced fantastic earnings because uh, they're in a business called Search, which is the, about as bottom of the funnel as you can get. The funnel of marketing term, top is awareness, middle is intent, bottom is uh, 
bottom is actual purchase. There's no bottom of the funnel like search. And if you look at Amazon Media Group, really what it is is Amazon's the second largest search company. It should be called Amazon Search. And that is if you type in diapers, you can then go to Kimberly Clark and say, would you like Huggies to come up when someone is clearly shopping for diapers? Search is just an incredible business that keeps on giving, whereas whereas Facebook has been booted further up the funnel because of Apple. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. it, 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 you are seeing... You are seeing a, a, a disarticulation here of three of the four. Uh, if I were going to write the four again, it might be called the three because uh, Facebook is not Amazon, Apple, or Google at this point. They are they are they are losing a lot of ground. Yeah, they are, and it's interesting that Apple has turned out to be the protector of privacy. It shouldn't be. By the way, we need mm-hmm. accountability. It should be the government, but um, but it is face. It is Apple here doing this, and and I think people are deciding. But before it was sort of tech just goes up, and it, they're deciding between kind of like Snapchat's up a lot. People are being much more um, picky about what they like, and obviously you saw Snapchat and Amazon going up rather significantly. Um, mm-hmm. It is really interesting time for Facebook because I was just looking at the stock price while you were chit chatting here. Um, it's up a little bit today, maybe under 5%, mm-hmm. but over five days, it's down really 28%. Uh, uh, 28% over five days, over one month, it's down 32%. Over six months, 37%. Year to date, 33%. Mm-hmm. One year, you know, 15% because it had a little bit of a drop. A five year, of course, it's up, 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 67%. But still, it's a significant drop and it's not recovering, which is interesting given, I think people are starting to see the threats like Apple and Amazon, TikTok, of course, they're going to keep blaming TikTok, but it's a it's a much broader problem, including people don't like mm-hmm. using it. You know what I mean? It's a much broader problem. And they're hoping that you don't see that it's a much broader problem, um, which is, I think, that's their goal in some way. Anyway, it's interesting. It's not good. Not good. We'll see if they get back. We'll see if they can uh, create their own TikTok. I doubt it. Mm-hmm. They can also create the metaverse. And speaking of missing audience, the Olympics are on, but no one is watching. NBC Sports says the opening ceremony drew 16 million viewers total, which is down 43% from last Winter Games in 2018. This mirrors last summer's Olympics, where views were down 36%. What do you think? I haven't watched one bit of it. And Amanda Katz, who loves the Olympics, is not watching it. It's just really wild because I immediately want to go to a more simple narrative and think, well, sports, people have finally figured out that sports, mm-hmm. that the, the ratio between the amount of time you spend sweating versus watching other people sweat is a forward-looking indicator of your success. And people are deciding to get off mm-hmm. the couch. But that's not true. The NFL yeah. is stronger than ever. Premier League yep. viewership is stronger than ever. I bet the World Cup will set new records. The Super Bowl ad ads are sold out at seven million bucks per thirty seconds. There's something about the Olympics yep. that has jumped the shark. I don't know if it's their distribution is harder to find. I don't know if it's the politicization of it. And I, I don't mm-hmm. know if just people just aren't aren't as excited about curling and they they become more tribal and and have easier access to. I mean, the digital, the digital innovation around places like the NBA and the MLB and to a lesser extent the NFL, mm-hmm. NFL has been really, um, really strong. And I wonder if it's because they're not intermittent, they're not every four years that they're able to maintain yeah. that sort of momentum. Whereas like when you talk about the World Cup, they're not every four years because you're following those teams in those countries. I, I, I just right. – and it, this is my long-winded way of saying, I don't know what's going on here. Do you have any ideas? It's I staggering, the decline. No, staggering. I, I, I never like the other I'm like, I don't could care less for years and years and years and years, for a long time, unless I was forced to. Um, there's so much to watch. I think that's what I feel like. I never think, oh, yeah, the Olympics. 
Um, I, I, I honestly rather watch cable news, which I really don't like watching anymore. Um, but I, you know, it's interesting because I watched a sporting thing the other day. I was uh, sort of going, you know, there's so much to watch, whether you go on the Disney app or the Netflix app or the, even the Peacock app, all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's, what's interesting, I found something called Torn, which is an amazing documentary about mm-hmm. a climber named Alex Lowe and his family. It's just a great story mm-hmm. and it's sporty. I didn't, you know, it was all about this sort of guy that died in an avalanche and his climbing partner married his wife. It was really fascinating. This guy's mm-hmm. what he sacrificed. He had a large family. Um, and I, I watched every bit of it. I thought it was great. It was a very, that kind uh, of story. If you're, if like, you're a rock climber or or mm-hmm. you do base jumping, it's irresponsible to have a family, uh, in my yeah. view. In you're any gonna, <laughs> anyways, but the, back to the Olympics, uh, uh, this stuff is so grounded. I remember, I remember the specific moment for the first time in my life I saw something on TV Mm-hmm. And I registered in my parents' faces, mm-hmm. something is wrong. Something is very uncomfortable here. And mm-hmm. it was we were watching TV, and this man came out on the balcony of a hotel in a ski mask. And my mm-hmm. my mom, like, visibly gasped. And it was when they took the um, Israeli team hostages in the 72 Olympics. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I remember, like, I was, I was seven at the time. I remember that was, like, the first time I ever looked at my parents, and they were sort of visibly shaken by something mm-hmm. they were watching on TV. And then I remember Nadia Comaneci. I remember, mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's just been Nadia so Komenich. many amazing moments. Michael Phelps, and there's been mm-hmm. so many incredible Olympic moments. Uh, uh, Muhammad Ali lighting the flame in Atlanta. Yeah, and I, I just, think, I wonder if those moments, my kids aren't going aren't gonna to remember that. They're going to have new moments. My kids could give a shit about the Olympics. I don't yeah. even think they know they're on. Yeah. This is so crazy. It's Jump the so Shark. It really yeah, has jumped the shark. shark. I don't, maybe if there is a compelling story, but there are compelling stories. There's that Chinese um, theater that fell. Anyway, it's an interesting issue. I think it's just part of a trend, just like a lot of the other trends. People have moved on. People have moved on. Yeah, I think that's on. right. But speaking of yeah. not moving on, let's get to our first big story. More bad news at Spotify. In a compilation video making the rounds on Twitter, Joe Rogan uses the N-word a lot. Uh, the video features clips from 12 years of Rogan's show. As, um, Rogan apologized for using the racial slur. He said the clips are taken out of the context. I'm not sure if he said all of them were. Spotify pulled at least 70 episodes. Some of them are, he's talking to comics about different things. Uh, Spotify pulled at least 70 episodes of his podcast archives, although they said he did it. Um, it's not clear why or if he used the word in those episodes. One fan website mm-hmm. says the number of pulled episodes is actually more than 100. And again, Spotify um, said that Daniel said that the removal was Rogan's decision. Uh, the missing episodes all predate his deal with Spotify. Obviously, they didn't listen to mm-hmm. them, um, which brings to a kind. Um, he also had what I thought was a pretty awful uh, statement to his employees, which he kept going back to cancel culture and uh, silencing. No one said yeah, they were silenced. Silencing anybody, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it's just a, it's such a virtue signal by these people. Um, so, what do you? He sort of explained why, but he put it onto Rogan. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand the caginess. It's, I put out a lot of tweets this week about this and got a lot of response. Yeah. Um, yeah, thought, even though there's some crazy Rogan on. fans, I wasn't really attacking Rogan. I was talking about Spotify. But what do you think? I, I, I think Rogan has handled this much better than Spotify. And that is, yeah, um, we said that before. I, yeah. I've heard from a lot. I've heard from a lot of people, and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people uh, have brought, written me really thoughtful emails about how disappointed they are that I took my content down. That they see that this is mm-hmm. a world where people tend to 
you know, shoot first and ask questions later, that the dissenter's mm -hmm. voice is really important, that he didn't yep. do this with any malice, and that this feels like you're, you're going down a slippery slope of cancellation and that yeah. this is important, that dissenter's voice couldn't be more important around. And when you decide that certain mm -hmm. issues you don't want to hear dissenter's voice, you just – it's the road is paved to hell. And I want to be clear. Mm -hmm. I agree with all of that. Uh, and I, what, I, yeah. what I spent so much time writing over the weekend to these very thoughtful responses who people do, who really mm -hmm. seem genuinely let down by me is that there's a difference. No one is trying to silence him. I, 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 neither you nor me has said we need to censor him, or, or at least I'll speak for me. My beef is with Spotify, and that is like any responsible media company that has huge influence. They have an obligation, especially around content they publish, to fact check things such as um, vaccines. And we are sitting here at 65% vaccination versus 90. Mm -hmm. We have the highest death rate per capita of any wealthy country. And if you look at the data that explains it, it seems to be one of two things. See above 65% vaccination versus 90 in other G7 mm -hmm. countries and two, our mm -hmm. obesity uh, problem. The right has mm -hmm. weaponized and politicized vaccines. The left has politicized body shaming. But if you are a large, I I've done interviews with the BBC, the Wall Street Journal, and who was it? The Nikkei Times, or uh, and they all mm -hmm. call, someone calls me back the next day and says, "You said Honda's only getting seven thousand dollars in market cap per company. Where did you get that data?" They're mm -hmm. not silencing me. They're not censoring mm -hmm. me. They're fact checking. And when you right. say right. when Spotify says across any of their network that a vaccine alters your DNA, they have an obligation. To fact check that and say, no, every medical journal we we have read has said no. So yep. we're not trying to silence them. I also want to say, just so I can piss off everybody, okay. I don't like what's going on. I think Indiari has every right, if she's offended mm -hmm. by anything he does, yes. to pull her music, pull her content. That's our right. She's we're capitalists. We get, to, yep. we get to decide who we work with. We get yeah. Fine. I get it. What I don't like or what I, I, I have, it feels uncomfortable to me. Is when people pull out their Guardians of Gotcha outfit and pull out a time machine and and editing software and start looking at an entire body of work and mm -hmm. going after somebody with what I feel is unfair cherry picking. Like I think young. that a lot yeah. of people, I think a lot of people rightfully say any use of the N-word disqualifies you. I get that. But if you're talking about any comedian or anybody, I don't care if you're Howard Stern, I don't care if you're Oprah. If someone decides to come after you and they have the benefit of tens of thousands of hours and an editing mm -hmm. machine, boy, they can come after you. And mm -hmm. it makes me uncomfortable that this is unfortunately yeah. more from Spotify's obligation to what feels, yeah, quite I, frankly, I, I, like I, a personal you know, look, attack. People want us to, like, slam Rogan. He is what he is. They, to me, they didn't, they didn't listen to him. Right? They didn't do the due diligence of listening to them. That's what it feels like. They're, they feel like they're flat-footed on this stuff. Um, one of the apparently deleted episodes is interesting was an interview with, uh, well, former far-right troll Chuck Johnson. I know him now, in which he spouts racist pseudoscience nonsense. He actually just wrote a piece saying, I think, I, I apologize for that. And also, I think he should be, Joe Rogan should be thrown off the platform, which is the only really big person who was on the show who said that, which is mm. interesting. Um, but hmm. absolutely, I I India Ari should be able to pull her music if she wants yeah. to. And I don't know why people need to attack Neil Young or Joni Mitchell. They're just they're, they're just doing what they're allowed to do. 
Um, one of the things that's interesting um, is I, just the silence and cancel culture thing. From I was so surprised and disappointed by that. Um, they should just take responsibility. And one of the things that's interesting is a lot of their defenders are calling Joe Rogan. He's not corporate media. I'm like, come on. He's really powerful. Like, okay, fine. He's just Joe Rogan media, and that's more powerful. And they're like, you're just jealous. I'm like, no, no. He's just like has responsibilities, whatever. He's not a little guy, guys. He's not. He's he's a uh, yeah, he's, he's not William Wallace. He's the king's giant, guard. Yes. Yeah, he's, he's affecting the stock price of a tech company that paid him $100 million. The removal was his decision. He, he, he's a big boy. Stop it. Stop, like, babifying Joe well, Rogan he, like he, he's like a babe in the woods. It's exhausting. He, he's, I, I, I acknowledge he's powerful. You know, they so much want to be like, you media people. It's like, I don't hate him. I, congratulations on your success for even people I can't stand. I usually am like, mm-hmm. especially if it's startup-y, I kind of like it. I love sort of tweaking the corporate media. I work for a lot of media, but I also have created media companies myself. And so we don't want him to fail necessarily. It's just, or any of these people, it's just, um, that's just their little calling card. They're like, oh, it's just, you know, there's a couple I think of it, I, substacks. It is so wrong in my view. Exhaustingly. And, and you've written about this. Spotify mm-hmm. has gone to the gone to the big tech playbook. Let's wrap ourselves mm-hmm. in a blanket with words like silencing. Mm-hmm. And they claim we want the platform to remain an open platform. Spotify isn't an open platform. You charge yeah. people to go on there. You do. I can't post content anymore. on Spotify. Yeah, it's not I'd an like open to. platform. Let's do that. And yeah. this notion that that he's being silenced? No, he's mm-hmm. not. Ugh, people are word. asking. Just, people are asking so that you off. show the same, some of the same uh, fidelity to to yep. key issues around fact checking and editing that every other responsible media company or, demonstrates. Or maybe listen they, to the guy you. <laughs> I wrote yeah, the use of the po- I wrote the use of the pointedly scary and loaded word silencing is a tech tell here, creating a false narrative where most just 100%. asking for corrections of blatant and dangerous inaccuracies, not a gag on Rogan. It's ridiculous. They're trying to like create a fake story. Um, you know, it's just it's here's such, where they blow it. Uh, here's where they blow it. It, it, it. He strikes me. Joe Rogan strikes me as a reasonable guy. That doesn't want to. That doesn't wake up in the morning and say, "How do I disenfranchise and belittle people?" I just don't think that's his mo. If if Spotify had and sat by down the way, with Joe Rogan, can disagree to that. A lot of people think he is, but go ahead, go ahead. Okay. I don't either. But go ahead. Um, uh, they've sat down and said, "Look, people for a lot of reasons." As the nation has decided that it's time for COVID to go endemic, and it's not necessarily the virus is, is specifically endemic, but we've decided we're over it. And un- unfortunately, we're going into a steady state of, quote-unquote, living with this uh, pandemic, which means not taking the precautions we were taking when we we're at 65% versus 90%, which is really unfortunate. And vaccines, the more we learn about it, we find that, in fact, all science, which is iterative, points to how fantastic these things are. So we're going to we're going to decide on issues as it relates to vaccines across our network that we need yeah. uh, a certain amount of fact checking. Joe, are you up for that? I think he would have said, "Yeah." And then they could have put out a statement saying, "We get it. We get mm-hmm. it, and this is what we're going to do about it." And Joe's agreed to it, and so has every one of our yeah. other uh, vertically controlled podcasts. Instead, we want to remain an open pile, and this this bullshit would we will yeah. not be silenced. What it is, is there was another tell in the in the statement where you said cri- that that exclusive content like Rogan's gives Spotify leverage to make deals with critical hardware partners like Amazon, Google, even Tesla, who are building out their own streaming services with that with overlapping content. That was the tell. We need this guy. We need this guy, and that's fine. Just yeah, say that. 
that's fine. Just say that, yeah. and that's that. They, they also said they're committing $100 million to license, develop, and market music and content by creators from historically marginalized What does that groups. mean? They're going to stream more Kanye? What does that mean? I, I don't know. What does that I'm mean? I'm a gay. I don't, I don't know. I there don't want their so money you, for that. So you're $99 million. Who <laughs> <laughs> gets the other million? I mean, seriously. I what does that mean? I have to go full— I don't know. I don't know. I don't know this whole thing. I want to talk to, to Daniel. I think Daniel's really smart. It's just, this is so, uh, people who have been close to him, and I've talked to a couple of them, are like, he's just in total denial. I've talked to several people who used to work there, and they're all like, this is so playbooky for him. He thinks he's in the old world where he can just pontificate endlessly about the First Amendment. Um, and so he can't. You know, and also, by the way, one podcaster is claiming that Spotify pulled a Rogan episode with no racial slurs, but in which he uh, criticized the Saudi Arabian government. That I'm not surprised by. I could see them doing that. Um, but, you know, they just, they selectively pull things. They do, and they can, and they will. And they just have to, like, just just talk in plain English. It would be so nice if they talked in plain English and stopped with the, with all the, 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 the libertarian virtue signaling. I think I'll use that word. Libertarian virtue signaling. Anyway. Agreed. Scott, are you feeling good about being off? You're still feeling good. Feeling good. I've learned a lot. Yes. <clears throat> I've, um. Yeah. You know, a couple things. Um. Uh, uh, Roxanne Gay's article really, really moved me because the the thing I was struggling mm-hmm. about in doing it was um, the glass house I was erecting for myself because I don't have moral clarity yeah. around this. I, I advertise on Facebook um, uh, because I don't think we have any choice, and I'm not—I'm an influencer. They're mm-hmm. not a decision maker. Yeah. But I just think all across my world, and Roxanne Gay just pointed out, in a capitalist world, it's almost impossible to be pure. But that shouldn't stop mm-hmm. you from trying to do the right thing on specific issues. Agreed. And Agreed. there's also this thing in yoga called your behavior off the mat. And that is if you spend an hour and a half trying to be uh. peaceful and mindful and stretch and challenge yourself and think about balance, that your life off the mat gets healthier. You think, you know, maybe I shouldn't have, maybe I shouldn't have this ice cream or this waffle. And what I found yeah. is since doing this, it's motivated me to be a little bit more off consistent. I, I called my CEO at Section 4 and I said, how can we get off of Instagram? How can we stop advertising on Instagram? Yeah. Off you know, the I mat. called— Why don't you do a podcast called, my, called Off the Mat, Scott, and try to do well, challenges off the mat? But what I, what I would say to people is that it's easy to decide I'm not going to do this because it creates hypocrisy in my life. And I get that. I feel that a lot. But at the yeah, same time, that shouldn't abdicate you from saying, all right, maybe you got it wrong here, here, and here. Maybe isn't everything isn't a perfectly mm-hmm. round ball, but that shouldn't stop you from trying to do the right things. Some this, right for things. me, is a nod to yeah. science. It's a nod to vaccines. It's a nod to someone I'm, I lost I'm, in my I'm life. I'm backing you, you Scott Galloway. I'm yeah, not back yet. By the way, speaking of hypocrisy, the tweets from people like Mark Andreessen, it's the witch trials. First of all, Mark, you I was blocked by him. Class. I feel validated. Block I was blocked too. by him on he Twitter. He blocks everybody. He's such a like. He's become such a delicate flower. But uh, that that's just crap. That's just crap. Like witch trial. Like, what did he? I don't know. I want, I'm not I want his. He he just put how he just put a tweet about Salem. I'm not supposed to be able to see them, but someone sent it to me. Um, but uh, because I'm blocked. But nonetheless, let me just. Oh, Salem witch trials are about women and misogyny, Mark. But whatever, whatever, however you want to take them, you're not the one I want to get historical shitty historical interpretations from. I really, I could go to lots of places for that and you're not the one. And it's it's so victim mentality, these people. They're Mm -hmm. not just like, they're not just virtue signaling sort of bizarre libertarianism. They're also shitty victim acting. I know real victims. I've met real victims. They're not them. They're not. They're they're victimizers is what they are. (laughs) 
It's just ridiculous. Anyway, Scott, let's go on a quick break. And when we come back, we'll look at big news from Amazon and Snap. And we'll speak to a, a friend of Pivot, Wajahat Ali. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Atlassian. The universal truth with our customers is they're all struggling to get stuff done. Our goal is how do we help them unleash the potential of their people, their teams, and their technology to actually get the right things done at the right time with the right people the right way. And when we do that, magical things truly happen. Dom Price is Atlassian's work futurist. It's his job to help Atlassian customers imagine more effective ways to work. It's completely natural to focus on what you can control in your team. The problem is if, if that's all you do, you get pretty myopic. The best teams I'm working with, they really work on who are the people upstream and downstream that we need to work with. How do we get flow across the organization? How do we get value into the hands of our customers quickly? And sometimes achieving flow means that instead of asking who do I work for, it's asking who do I work with? When you get team connection right, everyone benefits, the employee, the employer, and the customer, right? To get stuff done, the best organizations and teams right now are focusing on modern work. They're dreaming about the future, but they're dreaming about it by planting the seed to get the right things done right now. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom enable teams to work effectively together to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L. A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Support for Pivot comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software, including Jira, Confluence, and Trello, help power the collaboration for teams to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR, and legal, can stay connected and moving together as one towards shared, company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Scott, we're back with more news from quarterly earnings reports. There's so many. We finally know mm -hmm. the size of Amazon's ad business. It's, as you said, a massive $31 billion. That's mm -hmm. bigger than the ad business of Microsoft, Snapchat, and Twitter combined. Twitter's got to keep up, but got to say, not that Snap is complaining. The company had its first profitable quarter, according to its latest earnings report, and the stock is getting a nice boost, more than 40%, even more. I think it went and soared up more. They weren't alone. Shares of Peloton also surged Friday on the news that Amazon is looking to acquire, but Nike Amazon is also said or, to be interested. Or? Nike. Nike. Oh, who said that? Oh my gosh, who said that? You did. We both were talking about the Peloton thing. Anyway, let's start with, uh, let's start with, um, uh, we talked about Amazon, so big, mm -hmm. big deal, big deal with mm -hmm. the, with the advertising. Correct, that mm -hmm. makes perfect sense. Why should they pay for every place when they've got their own networks, right? They should. That's a good business for them. Search, correct. search is pulling away search. from display advertising. Search. Amazon and yeah. Amazon, the second largest search engine. Google, the first. It's a different business. 
But I have to say, I use search on Amazon quite a bit more than I used to and continuing. Second largest search engine in the world. Should be. I I search a lot. Um, But they still are also on Google. They pay a lot to Google. So it's Mm -hmm. huge. It's going to be huge and huger. It's a big business for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Snap. What do you think about Snap? Uh, So it found a way to work inside Apple's privacy changes. That's because they behave better. Snap is succeeding because it's not an information thief. So what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, Snap is trading like a penny stock. I think it was up 50 or 60% on the earnings. It got it went way down and then popped back up. I still think Snap, Pinterest, and Twitter are all going to be probably acquired in the next 24 months. Uh, but they've carved out a niche. Good for them. The specific crowds out the general. Switching gears because I don't have any more to say about it. Do you see Frontier and Spirit Airlines are merging? Kara, I am the Spirit Airlines of relationships. It's like, okay— I recognize you have a lot of choices, but you fucked up mm-hmm. and you chose me. You're stuck with me. Spirit Airlines. <laughs> <What is laughs> That's that good. That's good airline humor. No. Well, what's interesting, I think, about this is uh, Amazon's ad business is based on sponsored search results, not social mm-hmm. media. Google, yeah, this whole search. idea of monetized user data, I think, is over. It's what do you want? It's contextual. What do you want? And here's the, the search, which is which they talked about at DuckDuckGo and everywhere else. I think it's an mm-hmm. interesting situation instead of this targeted bullshit that goes on that really does have, you know, in the very end, you end up with Alex Jones. I don't know how else to say it, but it gets yeah, there. It ultimately agreed. gets there. So a very interesting business models. I think Facebook have, has got to pay attention to this. This is... They got. They don't need to make a pivot to the metaverse. They need to pivot their business, their real, their actual business, in mm-hmm. a way that is different. And I don't think they're able. I don't to know. Do I think. I, I think they. They've got to get. I mean, look at the two things that have happened. They've got. Um, they've lost out to a company that controls the distribution, Apple. So they have mm-hmm. to establish their own distribution. I think that's the right move. I don't think the the yeah. tactics are the same. And they've gotten kicked up funnel, which is bad for them. And so they want to find more opportunities where they will control the distribution, create more user engagement, and have more data. So it strikes me that they're they're actually trying to do the right thing. I just don't think it's working. Yeah, and Oculus will take too long. I, I have, I, I, you know, I have an Oculus. I'm going to start trying it out. Although I don't mm-hmm. want to. Do I have to join Facebook to do it? I mean, I, I have joined Facebook. I just don't want to re. I close it down, but didn't didn't get rid of it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I got maybe I'll make a fake Facebook account. Anyway, this uh, Peloton thing. Let's have a little crowing here. But by Amazon, does it make sense? It makes sense. It totally makes sense. I don't think we mentioned Amazon. Yeah, it does. Once you hear it, it does. I mean, if they roll it into Prime, they could scale yeah. that thing and. They could also Service, say to, delivery. Yeah, they could also say all. to Foley and his team, you know, you can either wait till this thing recovers to sixty or eighty bucks, or we'll buy you and we'll create an incentive system that when we ten x this thing, we'll give you a yeah. participation in that. And very few companies can offer that sort of upside. Otherwise, he'll say to any suitor, "I'm not, I'm not going to be bought on the cheap here." So, and Amazon mm-hmm. solves their supply chain. It, they immediately could roll it into the ultimate recurring revenue bundle with with. They, um, they, they work with hardware too. They're not. They're not well, terrible. Imagine like, know. would you like to buy this outfit now? Uh, would you like? Would you like a better diet? I mean, they could. They could start putting stuff on the screen while you're in this immersive metaverse yeah. called called Peloton and start selling you stuff. Mm-hmm. Start programming stuff. Yes. And and if they wanted to, they could take the user base up tenfold by saying for for ninety days it's part of Amazon Prime Plus, which is X dollars per month. I mean, they could just 
they could absolutely scale this thing. And who's who's got the second best supply chain in the world? Well, Apple's got the best probably. The second best is Amazon, and that's really been their Achilles heel. And you're right. It does fit in nicely with books or food or whatever. Um, still, And also, the stock is down 79% from a year ago, from 115 to right now, it's at twenty nine dollars. It's been uh, it's up the it's up over the past five days, six mm-hmm. percent. Uh, Not a lot, but a lot enough. So you know, it's not going to get a huge premium, but it's it's. Uh, it's maybe half of what it was last year. Yeah, but this is the thing that this is this is the problem with dual class shareholder companies. The shareholders mm-hmm. will get a slight premium, but the people who control the company will get their own deal. Yeah. And that is, yeah. Jeff Bezos will say to them, all right, we'll pay a 40% premium to the shareholders. Fine. They end up with yeah. an okay deal. But John mm-hmm. Foley and his band of 10, 15 insiders, we're going to give you a billion dollars in earnout, internal earnout, based on our ability to scale this thing. And that's the problem with dual-class shareholder yeah. um, structures. Uh, anyways, I, I, it, I wish I'd thought of it. Amazon now seems like a pretty rational yep. fit. We'll see. It does. It does. It makes sense in a lot of ways. Amazon is also increasing the annual price of Prime to 139. Everyone's going to mm-hmm. pay it. I think they're. Yeah. This is going to be a raging stock. It's going to be a raging stock. Yeah, I don't ever give stock recommendations. Just for my they own raise usage. It, unless they raise it to yeah. thirteen thousand nine hundred, which I would still do. I mean, they've got incredible pricing power. This is about as high as I would. Oh, this yeah, is right. Close to be like. Yeah, mm, right. No. I'm telling you, it is. I'm like. Mm, 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 Those mm, hair mm, products aren't going to get mm. there on their own, Kara. I, that's true. I do. I, I use Amazon so much. I feel, I, yeah. I just use it a lot. It's one product I use a lot. All right, Scott. Fascinating times. We'll see what happens. And when we win, let's take a victory lap, okay? Mm-hmm. All right, let's bring in our friend of Pivot. Wajahat Ali is a columnist for The Daily Beast and author of Go Back to Where You Came From and Other Helpful Suggestions on How to Become an American, in which he describes coming of age after 9-11. He also responds to racist hate email with a good deal of wit at the beginning. Welcome to uh, Pivot. I'm going to call you Old Man Waj because that's what you've named yourself on our on our Riverside recording. Welcome, Old Man Waj. Well, either that or not Kumail Nanjiani, <laughs> like I said, or Freed Zakaria too. <laughs> Uh, or I should say Freed Zakaria 2A. 2A. Uh, but I, I feel like I finally made it because I'm talking to Kara Swisher and Scott. I'm a resident of the Bay Area. So for all the nerds, yeah. I feel like this is like, you know, nerd Valhalla it when is. you finally reach this point where you talk finally. to Kara. Congratulations. Is this a nice moment thank you. Thank you. Let's acknowledge that. This Let's is acknowledge nice you. are lucky this to be is, here. You know, You're lucky the, to be here. The, the immigrant oh. parents, that's why they came here. Yeah, they said, Swisher, you know, eventually. You got to get on with Kara. They don't know who we are. They're probably like, who? I don't know. Anyway. Kira? Kira? What is she? Anyway, um, so I really enjoyed this book. It was very funny. I was much funnier. I thought it'd be angrier than funny. I don't know why. Um, because a few weeks ago we spoke to Jonathan Greenblatt. Much uh, not the same tone of it could happen here. Uh, he's the he's the, the ADL. Um, your book makes the case for Muslim Americans. It has happened here. Um, but the beginning of the book was very funny, where you respond to racist hate mail, which must be just. A delight to do, but instead of being angry, you were very funny. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So uh, 
the, the book is what I call a love letter to a country that doesn't love us back. Mm-hmm. And perhaps an elegy for the rest of us who aren't running for Congress uh, uh, through a sham narrative of the hillbilly elegy mm-hmm. where we exploit the trauma of the Appalachians. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I said too much. My bad. No. Um, and I think oftentimes when you um, are brown skinned or, or black or the other or Jewish or a woman in this country, LGBTQ+, whoever's marginalized, uh, we get a lot of unsolicited recommendations from our fans mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes to go back. Uh, or go kill yourself, or go F a goat or a camel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can respond through anger, which is legitimate, a righteous yeah, you don't have rage. You to say F here. You, I think they were saying you're already a goat fucker, correct? I think they were. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. No yes, problem. Yes, yes, Please. Yeah, but, you know, what, but, and so I decided, I decided, why not respond like Bugs Bunny? Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes we respond like Daffy Duck. And if you ever see those cartoons, this is why I'm an old man, because I'm referring to these old cartoons that the young folks won't get. Like the anvil always drops on Daffy Duck's head. But like with Bugs Bunny, they always forget, like, Yosemite Sam and Elmer Fudd are always chasing Bugs Bunny. Like, if you watch those cartoons, Bugs Bunny is always chilling in his like bunny hole, mm-hmm. like relaxing. And so the way Bugs Bunny responds is sometimes he kisses Elmer Fudd and destroys him. Mm-hmm. He uses his own like traps against him. He uses wit. And so I thought the book opens and I tried to be stylistically a bit different, a little bit irreverent. I'm like, okay, let me just hit you right out of the gate with these amazing, beautiful, exquisite, lovely email recommendations I get. Go back to where you came from. Mm-hmm. Go fuck a goat or a camel. And mm-hmm. so I respond. Why only goats and camels? Mm-hmm. Why limit my options? Mm-hmm. Two legs good, four legs good. Mm-hmm. And it's just Scott one of those feels. situations. That's a Scott Galloway mantra, you know, in many ways. Two legs good, four legs good. Yeah, yeah. Spread the love. So, but, so but, that that's how I responded. But, like maybe you can respond if you can use humor. Say, it, I get it. I get you're using humor, but you get a lot of attacks online. You've written to me before oh, and yeah. others, and they're pretty ugly. Like I, I just, I'm sort of, uh, you know, you can joke with these people for so long, um, but you think this is the best way to deal with them because you get a ton on. No, 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 no. It, it, it is my way to deal with them in the sense that because if you sit there and respond to it, as you know, you, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Racism gets is ultimately is exhausting. You spend all your time mm-hmm. fighting bad faith actors who demand that you prove your civilizational worth to them. And then when you do, they still say it's not enough, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with Muslims. I mentioned this in the book after 9-11. We're supposed to condemn violence done by violent people we've never met. And no matter how fast you condemn and no matter how hard you condemn and no matter how much you engage in the condemnathon, no matter how much you prove your moderation, never enough. And so you've just wasted the entire day. So most of the times what I say, I really mean this for those who are listening, is ignoring is a response. I'll repeat this. Ignoring is a response. So I ignore most of it. But then when I choose to engage, I try to take the piss out of them. And then humor, like my humor, I think is also blunt. It's not just silliness. Like you can dismantle your opponent with humor sometimes as well. And it's mm-hmm. like a slap in the face. And so sometimes mocking the bully disrobes them and shows them how impotent they really are to a public, right? Like it could really debase them. So that's what I choose to do sometimes as well. And there is some rage in there. I think that rage is earned. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of questions. Um, first off, nice to meet you. Uh, secondly, um, what do you think Americans, what do you think the biggest misperception of the stereotype or damaging stereotype is about Muslim Americans? And also, I think we sometimes, uh, I don't want to call us the coastal elite, but people who think of themselves as progressives, just assign all of the type of bigotry you assigned to people who are, you know, Whatever, uh, uh, not worth the effort. But I, I think there's signs of this type of uh, kind of bigotry light in fairly sophisticated <laughs> circles. And I'm, I, oh yeah, I'd be curious. Uh, what are the stereotypes that you would like to, or the biggest misconceptions of Muslim Americans that you think people hold? And two, what are some examples of what I'll call more insidious 
uh, anti-Muslim rhetoric that you find in New York and L.A. and among, quote unquote, the, the, you know, the elites? Oh, yeah, it's there. So first of all, only one. Uh, there's several, but like one of them is that somehow a practicing Muslim is similar to a violent extremist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That the, 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 the prototypical Muslim is Osama and Saddam Hussein and Ayatollah and not me. The th- second one is that Islam is a foreign thing. That somehow it's separate from America or separate from Americans. And that uh, it, it belongs to a 1980s action movie where Chuck Norris goes and kills like this right. brown booyah mm-hmm. base of, yeah. Of, 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 of terrorists, right? That literally is the image it is. that was force fed to us for years that actually yeah. helped the war on terror. It made it much more palatable that look at these are the enemies, axes of evil, mm-hmm. them, uh, the villains, the terrorists, yeah. the bad guys. And will you, would you not forfeit your civil liberties and your freedoms to empower the war on terror to go after mm-hmm. them? Surveillance and Patriot Act, torture. And people are like, yes, of course. When it comes to this type of Islamophobia, anti-Muslim bigotry, if you don't like the word, that's fine. It's, I call it the, like the last refuge for bigots. I'll give you an example. Like Bill Maher, the type of stuff he openly says against Muslims, just replace Muslim with any other group, impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, the mafia, they bring the desert stuff here. They don't respect their... Like he just said it recently, right? Mm-hmm. Look at these people. He he seeds the ground to the extremists. It's a, this is real Islam. Uh, and, and you sit there and go, huh, nobody ever on a show, progressive coastal elites, liberals ever checks him the only two people who ever well, ben affleck him, did <laughs> batman ben affleck yeah and glenn greenwald before he became a complete freak those are the only two when it comes to my personal um you know interaction with the type of what you're saying the educated worldly mm-hmm. ivy league educated democrat voters i've had so many people who told me like you for, you're one of the moderate muslims mm. the casual yeah you talk about that realizing in the, book, what the moderate muslim i found that really interesting the way you characterize it. Explain, explain it. The safe, neutered Muslim mm-hmm. who is not a threat. The unicorn. Mm-hmm. You're not like them. Uh, are, are you? And, and usually within these elite circles, it's like, do you drink alcohol? And I'm like, I don't. You don't? Do you actually believe in God? I'm like, I do. Do you fast? You're mm-hmm. like, yes. And yet you're not violent. And you made a witty joke and you read books. Huh? There was this one agent in New York who was oh, no. uh, trying to like dine me to, to get me one time uh, as his client. And he said... Before reading you, I didn't know Muslims could be funny. And I'm like, why not? He goes, yeah, why, yeah, why not? And then he had like this weird monologue with himself. And he goes, when I looked at Muslims, I just thought they were very, he made this face. And I'm like, constipated? He goes, no, no, just very serious, serious. And then he had like this five minute monologue with himself where he was trying to interrogate himself as to why he thought Muslims were serious because we're people. And the whole time I was just eating Branzino fish for the first time. I'm like, thank you for this delicious fish. <laughs> so these are some of the comments. Yeah. that me and my friends casually get well, it does. in I liberal, educated it's circles. It's interesting because you talk a lot in your book growing up. You're, you're, you're quite a culture. You just talked about Bugs Bunny, but you, culture was an important part, American culture, especially television culture. Mm. And so many of the depictions were like this. Now, I could, I, dozens and dozens and dozens. You don't even understand the impact on you. Um, you know, I'm a big... Um, not Chuck Norris necessarily, but a lot of those movies. Like I like all the action movies, and every one of them too. have bad representation, like bad, very bad. And some of the others have been corrected. Never that one. You know, I can't tell you how many I've watched. I don't even know. Um, do you think that's changed over the years? Um, because I'm trying. I'm thinking even even when I was watching some cartoon with my kids twenty years ago, the depictions of of people from not Muslim necessarily, but were very bad. Like I was thinking very bad when I looked at them at the time. So do you think it's changed over the last 20 years? 
uh, it's a little bit better, but remember <laughs> Six in the City 2 that came oh, out 10 God. years ago? You know, it's like this Orientalist fantasy. I remember I saw that. I'm like, what's happening? How can... The condom <laughs> thing. You wrote become... about it, the condom dropping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote about it. Like, just go watch Six in the City 2. It's, it's Can you so say more hilarious. as a Sex in the City fan? I don't I don't know what you're referring to. By the way, don't the watch. And just like the that, unfortunate it's really... The movie's movies. terrible. The unfortunate oh. movie. Yeah, the movie. And then oh, and when I think they go the cartoon to, when they go to, to is, Dubai, is that what you're talking about? Yes. Abu Dhabi. Yeah, yeah, when they go to Abu Dhabi, oh, but Abu Dhabi. it wasn't Abu Dhabi, and apparently the filmmakers were pissed off because Abu Dhabi said no, so the entire movie is like this two-hour screed against Abu Dhabi. And it just is just like every trope you've ever imagined. It's like remarkable. So that was just 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think the cartoon you were talking about was Aladdin, mm-hmm. the one without uh, yes, Will Smith when be. Robin Williams was there. Yeah, it's like where they don't like your face. It's barbaric, but hey, it's home. And then yeah. Disney had to cut out that line mm-hmm. years later. They're like, oh, yeah, this is problematic. And so, yeah, growing up, imagine if you're a brown skinned kid. And you sit there rooting for Chuck Norris mm-hmm. in these movies. And then years later, you go, oh, I was the villain. Mm-hmm. I was the bad guy. Mm-hmm. I was a yeah. sidekick. I was the cannon fodder. And then after 9-11, very quickly, it changed to the only good Muslim is the Muslim that helps the CIA. That's right. Or who's the national informer, security. Who's turned on his there own people. <laughs> yeah, right. that's and right. it's only one, like the unicorn. Right. Yeah. So, and so what that does is, is that the only utility of you moderate Muslim is if you're killing ISIS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you get to like sex in the city. It's still goofiness. And I think now, 2021, 2022, you're finally seeing the emergence of the complex character who happens to be Muslim, like the Rami or the Hasan Minhaj or the Miss Marvel comic book. Mm-hmm. It took a long ass time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what about online? Has it got, that gotten worse? Because it seems like it has. I, I see a lot of stuff that I'm like, wow, that, you couldn't do that with a lot of things. So someone said this to me. They're like, but Wajah, this has gotten better precisely for the reason you mentioned. Like, look, you have Hasan Minhaj and you have Kamal and you have Miss Marvel and this and that. And I'm like, yes, but. Let me tell you how frightening it's gone with one example. If George W. Bush, and I think all, all of us are old enough to remember the disaster that was his presidency, and we assumed he'd be the worst president of our lifetimes, mm-hmm. but America's like, nope, I got a surprise for you. If George W. Bush ran for president in 2024, yeah. the Republican Party would reject him for being a Muslim lover. Yeah. The entire conservative movement and the entire one of the two major political parties openly traffics on anti-Muslim bigotry. It's part and parcel of the of the party. So much so that they say it openly without apology. And when Lauren Bubert says what she says, none of them condemn her, right? And so that's something remarkable and new that you have an entire right-wing movement Mm-hmm. Which the foundation rests upon xenophobia and anti-Muslim bigotry right. unchecked. Yeah, it's Bobert, but I'm gonna let that one go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what a, when you coach young men, young Muslim men, and you say this is your role in helping advance or helping to, to other than I mean, you, you're effective. Humor is an incredible equalizer. It's it's incredible at disarming people. Do you coach young men uh, around what they should expect and what they can do and their role in making it better for? for future generations thankfully no one looks to looks, looks at me, to me as a leader guys. and a coach dude you wrote a book uh, he must have been thinking about yeah that. yeah but like you know what i do tell people though and i tell it's not just muslims right and i mean this um i guess i'm a writer that's mm-hmm. that's what i've chosen to be that's the one of the very few only superhero skill i might have is once in a while i can spin a good yarn i i think it's important to tell your own story mm-hmm. uh, if you aren't telling your story your story is always being told to you in america by others mm-hmm. and the importance is not just to tell your story but tell your story with all the authenticity and i always joke with the merchant masala that they always tell us to take out that's the advice i was given that i rejected 15 years ago take away everything that makes your story unique and i'll, and I'll give you the euphemism 
your ethnic story has to translate to the mainstream. Translation. Mm-hmm. Hey, Darkie, make your story palatable to the whites. Mm-hmm. And I've had agents tell me this and like producers tell me this. And I, I just ignored it. And I said, I have faith in the whites. Mm-hmm. I, I think the whites will appreciate a good story. You don't have to hold the hands of the whites. And so telling your story in any avenue that you can and with authenticity and not seeding the ground mm-hmm. is critical in a country which, as we are talking right now, is actively trying to ban and erase our narratives from the textbooks and from schools. Mm-hmm. It Does it seem like it's a backward thing? Because one of the things I was going to ask you is what your definition of the American dream is now with all this happening. <laughs> the definition of the American dream sometimes is just surviving. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not trying to be glib about that. I feel like survival during a pandemic and survival during this time where there's Muslim bans and people are celebrating the president, the former president, saying, go back to your asshole countries. It's, mm-hmm. it's victory. Survi- mm-hmm. You can surviving say shithole. You can also say shithole. Yeah, shithole. Surviving with joy is, 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 is a victory. And I think maybe thriving with joy is still in my definition of the American dream that why can't our kids survive and thrive with joy and, 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 and dream audaciously that they can be the co-protagonists of the narrative. If they can, number one, dream it and actually be it, we have achieved the American dream. The problem is, is I think us, we're trying to expand the American narrative to include the rest of us. And we have forces. We've always had these forces in America who are always trying to restrict. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing it now. Restrict what we can read. Restrict our history. Restrict the starting point of our history. Who gets to be the hero? And they're so unsettled and unnerved by the fact that we're not trying to replace them. We just want a speaking role. Mm-hmm. And they're like, nope, those roles belong to us. So this is a tension that's always happened. Yeah. And I said this in the book. And I'll say it on your program. I think we're witnessing the death rattle of white supremacy, which has transformed into a global death march. That's one of the major struggles of our life. What do we do with this death march? They're sure noisy on the way out. We assumed it was headed in the one direction, but it can absolutely head the other direction. Do you see any silver linings? My sense is more Muslims, and not not a lot, but have been elected to Congress. We might have our first senator, uh, Muslim Republican senator, which who cares a big fan of in Pennsylvania. No, I'm not. Running for Senate. Um, Sorry, I couldn't (laughs) resist. But anyways, do you see any silver linings or progress here? Yeah, of course. I mean, look, you have to. Like, the the opposite of that is apathy and cynicism. Mm-hmm. And then we just, like, eat Ben and Jerry's ice creams and, you know, just, just delude ourselves and you know, give up. Just sit in the corner and watch Netflix and cry. But yeah, look, I, I'm invited as a guest on your show. My book was published. I was joking with Sam Sanders, who's a host on NPR, who's a black man. I, like, we were joking. Like, if, you know, in 2006, can you imagine me and Sam talking for an hour on NPR? We, and we went through like all the scenarios and the scenarios was like every white host would be like sick or like staying at home watching a friends episode. And like, they'd be desperate for like the one person who could speak into a microphone or to track and, like, the Sam listeners like, and put them on a list of enemies of state. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Enemies of state. They're, yeah. yeah. They're like Samuel L. Jackson. Talk to Fried Zakaria. He goes, yeah. my name's Sam. Like, whatever. Yeah. So the fact that, you know, we're here, the fact that we have elected officials, the fact that there's a multicultural coalition, the fact that Democratic presidential candidates actually said the word white supremacy and mm-hmm. were like against it in 2020, like baby steps, but steps. Yeah. yeah. And and I feel like there, you know, there's that's what we have to look at. We have the numbers, but the problem is it's the, what I call the flabby moderate majority, which is going up against a very zealous ideological minority that wakes up every day with a mission. With a mission. Yeah. And and the yeah, and and the thing is, you give me a minority, a zealous minority versus a flabby moderate majority. That 100%. zealous minority can carve us like butter. And they have the so internet just to help organize. Them. And they have the internet. Yeah. And and disinformation and internet and greed, mm-hmm. where where people are perfect. You know, 
let's be honest, Zuckerberg and, and Les Moonves and like uh, this guy of Spotify, they're perfectly Daniel fine. Ed. Yeah. Yeah. They're, and with this ridiculous statement a couple of days ago, was it yesterday? Yeah, actually? silencing. Mm-hmm. They're being silenced. <laughs> I like your tweet. That no. was a very good tweet. Fuck. They're silencing. Like, no one's silencing, bro. Joe Rogan will be fine. Yeah, exactly. Let me ask you one of the last question I have is we write a lot about your your uh, child who was sick and, and the agony that was. It was just recently. Um, so, how, how, how are they doing? Uh, she's right next to me. You could probably hear her chirping. She's doing virtual school. She's wearing a, her one of her three costumes uh-huh. uh, of the day. That's Nuseba. She's five years old. She was diagnosed with the stage four cancer right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, all is good. Brand new liver. All the tests came back negative. Her hair's come back. Uh, she doesn't remember much of it. I remember, of course, everything. Yeah, you write very and movingly a- of it, I have to say. <laughs> I, I, and we, and we have a pandemic baby Khadija yeah. who was born who who doesn't understand like these things called crowds and people and then we have Ibrahim the 7-year-old uh and apparently he got me addicted to Lego during uh, the apparently. pandemic so he just commanded me that I have to finish a, a Pirates of the Caribbean ship by next week. Oh, wow. That's great. It was so interesting. I was reading uh, two books I was reading last night were Sandy Hook book, which is because I interviewed one of the parents today. And I was like, oh, phew, Mm. now (laughs) Waj's book is going to be funny. And then I was like, oh, my God. Like it was, but you wrote about it beautifully. Um, It was really quite lovely. Scott, do you have a final question? First off, it's, it's such good news that your daughter's doing well. But thank you. Just on, you know, you have your world of work, you have your world of friends, and something comes off the tracks of one of your kids and the whole universe just sh- shrinks to that kid. Mm-hmm. As, that's right. How has that changed you as a dad, as a husband? Well, that's a good question. You know, you're just grateful. Uh, you know, you realize how quickly there could be a plot twist. And like you said, your entire world can unravel and you feel like if even if you have everything under control, this was pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, what do they say? Uh, man plans, God laughs, right? right. And so you, you kind of realize how powerless you are, especially as a dad, because I write about this, but you're like, how do I fix cancer? Mm-hmm. I'm the yep. dads you're are supposed to fix everything. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. How am I supposed to be a protector? I can't do this. And so you, you, and even with the pandemic, how can I, one mortal soul, take on a pandemic right. mm-hmm. that has killed five million people? Mm-hmm. And so it kind of humbles you in many ways, but it makes you also live in the moment and realize you can only control what you can. Mm-hmm. Do what you can with your hands. And then leave the rest. And, I, and that's the last chapter of the book, right? Invest. In, there's a great saying in, in Islam, have faith, but tie your camel, uh, which means do what <laughs> you that. can with your hands yeah. and then leave the rest to fate, God, Hismat, Destiny, Tom Cruise, whatever yeah. you believe in. Yeah, yeah, nobody believes in Tom Cruise. And I feel Cruise. like even with democracy, right? People feel like, Carrie, you're saying like, you know, what, 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 what are we doing? I feel like there's only you, anyone and everyone who's listening, I feel like I understand you feel so overwhelmed, but you could just, at the end of the day, do what you can. Model yourself the best behavior you can. Change your family, the discourse. Run for school board. Lung for, run for, like, city office. Don't seed ground, right? Don't. If that's the least you can do, that's a massive victory. Yeah, we're not going away. There's opinion. an old gay chant we used to do in, during gay rights movement, which is, we're not going away. <laughs> we're not going away. <laughs> they think. Wait, is that the same one? That's Yeah, we're not going. You, you can't dismiss us, can't ignore us. Wait, we're here. We're, oh, wait, never mind. Queer. Get used to it. Oh, wait, Not oh, you, Scott. I didn't say you that. Get, neither I didn't you, say old that. man. Wash. Anyway, it's a very hopeful <laughs> book. Although there's a lot there, um, and you're, I like the humor because you gotta laugh at these. You gotta laugh because it's very disturbing. A lot of it. Anyway, the book is called "Go Back to Where You Came From." It's on sale now. Thank you, Wash Ali. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Wash. Best to you and your family. Thank you, Karen Scott. Scott, that was a very fascinating discussion with mm-hmm. old man Wash. Mm-hmm. Very good book. Very uh, likeable. That one more so quick break. Likeable. I know. I know. You, you fall for a handsome man every time. I do. You? I do. 
It's amazing. I like the good-looking dudes. Lucas. Everyone off mic. I offered to do a book party for him in Manhattan. He said yes. Yes, but it's because he's good-looking. I'm going to have fabulous people there. Everyone's going to think I'm progressive and I hang out with handsome men. And they will love me, Kara. <laughs> they will love me. <laughs> You should actually read the book like I do. You should actually read the book. We'll smell you. <laughs> smell you. I read all the books. Okay. okay. Well, you haven't read my fucking books. You should actually read my I books. Have. No, you I haven't. Did. My son did and told me about oh, okay. it. Oh, anyway. okay. That's it. <laughs> oh, so you just lied. Is that what you're saying? I, I did read no. them. Well, actually, my son read them. I got things to do. Let's move yeah, along. Right. All right, Scott. All right. One more quick break. We'll be back for wins and fails. Eurovision is here. This year's contest gets underway this week in Malmö, Sweden, but this year's contest comes with a dose of controversy. I'll give you one guess as to what people are mad about. Yes, correct. It's that. Organizers of the Eurovision Song Contest say they are assessing whether Israel's entry breaks the rules on political neutrality. I think it's a shame. I think there's no way that, that Israel should be able to participate in Pro-Palestinian protesters are taking to the Swedish streets. More than a thousand Swedish artists, including Robin, have called for an Israel ban. Some European politicians are joining them. Charlie Harding from Switched On Pop joins us this week on Today Explained to help us figure out if Europe can sing its way out of this situation. Okay, Scott, wins and fails. I'm just going to let you – do I have any wins? You go You go ahead. I think you have a long one. I have long one, ones. correct? Yeah, I have long ones. All right. Not too long. Okay, go ahead. Go for <laughs> Thanks it. Thanks for that. Go I for see it. you're excited about them. I, um, let me do mine very good. Win oh, is Jesus. watch this Here porn on National Geographic. It's, on Dan, Dan, it's really quite gripping. And fail the Republican Party with this legitimate political discourse bullshit. What, a, what an unforced error of idiocy. Jesus, Ronna McDaniel, like Mick Romney needs to go speak to his niece. Yes, that's what we need, more Mitt. Um, Ugh, okay, I'd rather so, have him than her. Uh, so my fail is I'm on the board of a company that's about to go public. And as they always do, they do this kind of training for directors around the difference between director of a private to public company. And insider trading and insider information is a function of this really elegant construct called asymmetry of information. And that it's a day before the earnings call. The directors know what the earnings are and the surprises to the upside or the downside. And so we can't trade in the stock. And people say, well, if it only goes up 5%, that's not that big a deal. Mm -hmm. Actually, if you know the stock's probably going to pop 5 or 10% the next day, you could take a million dollars and turn it to $3 million with short-term short options. So. It's once the your knowledge of what's happening in that organization becomes totally asymmetric to the market's knowledge, you're not allowed to trade because that results in a lack of confidence in the market, mm -hmm. a feeling the market is rigged, and we turn this unbelievable organism of capital formation and economic security into a corrupt, crony-filled um, um, organization. So asymmetry of information. There has never been a group of people who have been allowed to engage in stock trading with more asymmetry of information than elected representatives to the House and to the Senate. Mm -hmm. And the notion that anybody, anybody, whether it's Republican senators or our Speaker of the House, who would not see how fucking ridiculous it is that someone who has information on interest rate movements, multi-billion dollar defense contracts, vaccine efficacy trials, can then go yeah. out and trade stocks is insane. Conflicted everywhere. So this is what I'm going to do. 
And this is what's also ridiculous, is one of the kind of legislations that's another head fake that's being proposed, it feels like big tech, is that we're putting in place laws that if you trade stocks, um, you have to give up, you will confiscate, confiscate your entire salary. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to loan uh, Dog2022 $10 million. I'm running for Senate as an independent against Rubio and Val Demings if she doesn't get any traction. When mm-hmm. I get elected to the Senate, I'm going to forfeit mm-hmm. my salary and I'm going to raise money that will become a hedge fund. And I'm going to say, I'm giving my salary, assume <laughs> I'm going to trade stocks on based on all information that win, I'm going to get okay. in the Senate. All right. Okay? All right. okay. And yeah. I'm going to show a greater return than any hedge fund in history when I can call Jerome Powell and say, what's happening with interest rates? When I can call Lena Khan and say, can you brief me on FTC actions over the next 90 oh, days? When heavens. I can call the Department of Defense and say, which submarines are you planning to buy and from whom? And I'm going so to show- So you're suggesting insider trading, correct? I think that's what you're suggesting. There has here. never been a group of bigger insider traders than our elected okay. representatives. And the fact right. that it is even a discussion- is insane. Yes, Nancy Pelosi, so... tell your husband to stop trading stocks. And this bullshit narrative that well, we should be able to engage in capitalism, you should absolutely be able to engage in capitalism. And what you should do is you, you either put it in a blind trust or you put it in ETFs and you have trading windows. You, sh- you have much more asymmetry of information of any director of any company. And the notion that you can trade stocks freely with just a slap on the wrist is an insult and it, it undermines the social contract and social capital we have with between the markets and investors. It is insane. Pass legislation. No elected representative in the Senate or the House should be allowed to trade stocks full stop. That's my oh, loss. Well, my that's win. never going to happen, but okay. My win. That was a speech, wasn't it? What do you think? Yeah, of, I like that. The dog is senator starting a hedge fund? Just say, I'm forfeiting <laughs> my salary. I'm just going to trade stocks based on be, information I'm going to get. That okay, would be a lot sure. of fun. Why not? That would be a lot uh, of fun. Would, would, would. It would be like that Annie Murphy movie. A chicken remember? in every it pot, would... a Cialis in every, in every medicine cabinet. That's <laughs> Do you my, remember that's the my Eddie Murphy sticker. when he came as a grifter to be a congressman? He thought it was the ultimate grift, and then he turned into a good person. That's what would happen. It'd be yeah, like I'd be Mr. the first Smith part goes. of that. I, I'd, be, yeah. I'd be half of that yeah. story. Uh, so my win is when I was a kid in, 19, in the early 70s in Laguna Niguel, or in the mid-70s, we weren't allowed to have park our cars in the garage. We had a Gran Torino and a Mercury Capri, the foreign import from, De- from Detroit. Uh, mm-hmm. And the reason we couldn't put them in the garage is my father worked for O.M. Scott's. My father literally sold shit and that it was, it was fertilizer. And he would go in with his mm-hmm. charming Scottish accent and establish many friendships with the head of lawn and garden at Sears or Lowe's. And we had, I'm not joking, about 120 40-pound bags of fertilizer in our garage all lined up in their green and white packaging that was the O.M. Scott's brand. Mm-hmm. And about once a weekend, once every other week, someone in bad plaid pants and a penguin shirt would pull up in an AMC pacer and bring in something like a garbage disposal or a hot mm-hmm. cream shaver heater or a food mm-hmm. processor or a crockpot. And my dad would look at me and go, hold up one finger or three fingers. And that meant go to the garage and put two bags of O.M. Scott's fertilizer in this person's trunk. So my dad was basically doing barter with fertilizer from O.M. Scott's. Mm-hmm. And one day, he, this guy came over and he looked at me very excited and he flashed his hands a couple times. And it was 12 bags. And I'm first like, okay, that's 480 pounds of fertilizer an eight-year-old has to get mm-hmm. into a car. Mm-hmm. But he said to me, he goes, tickets to the playoffs. And I'm like, okay, what mm-hmm. does that mean? So I get mm-hmm. the 12 bags in there and he comes back and he goes, have you ever been to a Rams playoff game? And we were so mm-hmm. excited. So my dad took me to see, and there's a point to all of this, 
The Rams play the Washington Redskins at the L.A. Coliseum in 1974, which is a shitty place to play a football game, but that's not what this is about. And the reason why that game was significant was that for the first time in the history of the NFL, uh, the starting quarterback was black. And his name was James Mm -hmm. Harris, uh, born in Louisiana to a minister father, Grambling State. And there was a general kind of unaccepted or accepted narrative. The quarterbacks in the NFL were white and were always going to be white. And Mm -hmm. what it said to young people was the, the, the play caller, the smart guy, had to be white. And James Mm -hmm. Harris went on. He was the first black man to win a playoff game. And uh, the Rams are back in the Super Bowl. So I ordered ordered my son a Roman Gabriel jersey. I'm going to wear number number 12, which was James Harris. My other son's going to do 99. But mm-hmm. the 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 my win is James Harris, the first black quarterback to to nice. win a, a playoff game, and mm-hmm. I think it was just a huge moment. And it kind of reverses back to something we need today. The okay. NFL has probably done the worst job, specifically the NFL owners, of footing players to uh, coaches and owners. There are 660 mm-hmm. coaches. There is a dearth of people of color yes. or coaches. Well, there's like some lawsuits 100, going on about that. 111 of them are relatives, which is like the same problem that curses us yeah. at elite universities, where because the majority of people who went to school were white in the 50s and 60s and 80s, the kids that are getting into the fantastic schools are also are also people not of color. But the Premier League's done a good job of hiring people of color. The NBA has actually done a really good job putting people of color in coaching positions. But the NFL, whose ownership primarily is a bunch of white Republicans, has, shocker, spoiler alert, done a really shitty job. But anyways, my win is uh, James Harris, the the first black person to start uh, and win an NFL playoff game in 1974 for the for the Los Very Angeles nice. Rams. Okay, wow, that's a lot, Scott. That was that a lot today. A lot. Well, let me just say, be better NFL. That's what I say. By the way, that Eddie Murphy movie was the Distinguished Gentleman. Just so you know, but you Good would to not know. be. You would be. You would Good not be know. the Distinguished Gentleman. <laughs> Go Good watch it. Know. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. I love Eddie Murphy movies. What do you think? Um, any, the Dog what, 2022. Like no. 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 I would, I would totally, it could you happen. know, like Jeff Bezos's brother-in-law dropping a dime on him, you know, the, the sex, I'm transparent. that kind of thing. What is there to drop I, on me? I just, I'd find some dime. I'd drop it. What I'd make it up. Drop I just on me? Just because. Because then it would be kind of an interesting story. And then maybe Olivia Nutzi would write the whole thing. By the way, you'd get the Olivia Nutzi treatment that, that your friend Dr. Oz got, which I thought was fantastic. Would, That's what would happen. I'd send her in to, to interview you. You would throw you me a party. You would raise money. You would, you would, you would help would, me. Totally help me. Absolutely not. No, yes, mm-hmm. I probably would. Yes, but would. not for Dr. Oz. Anyway, uh, we'll take a listener question. That, thank you, Scott. That was very thoughtful, both of those things. We'll take a listener question in our next episode. And now there's a new way to reach us with your questions. You can call us at 855-51-PIVOT. Oh, my God. We have like a, a sex line. We I have guess. our own number. Yes, we have our own number. It makes me vaguely. Are you lonely? Meet hot singles. Nine seven six the dog. <laughs> no. To submit your question, eight five 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 one pivot and oh keep it God. clean. As always, you can go to nymag.com slash pivot. That is the uh, worst nine seven six line in history. <laughs> God, so we'll pay you four ninety nine to call and talk dirty to me. The Jesus link in the number is in our oh, show notes. Awful. Keep it clean, that's people. Awful. And Scott, that's don't you awful. call in that number. Don't that's you dare awful. call that and bother our nice staffers. Anyway, oh, Scott, that's the show.
We'll be back on Friday for more. And then next week in Miami. I'm so excited. It's so cold here. I hate it in this cold weather. I'm so sick of putting on my coat. Today when I took the golden child to school, she's like, you're putting on your coat again? I said, yes, I hate it. And she goes, I hate it. It was fantastic. Anyway, Miami. Next week in Miami. That's so right. excited. excited. All right. Excited. Read us out. Today's show was produced by Lara Naiman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie Intertot engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burroughs and Neil Severio. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Box Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. James Harris, number 12. We honor you at the Super Bowl. Right on, my brother. Support for the show comes from Atlassian. What do you think of when you hear the word flow? How about a smooth river of collaboration culminating in a shared ocean of positive outcomes across your organization? Atlassian software like Loom, Confluence, and Jira can help you achieve maximum flow across your teams by enabling fast and easy communication and connection no matter what time zone they're in. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how to unlock flow across your teams at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. 